0: Hey everyone, this is Maria with your Creeping Me Out podcast. If you are into the paranormal, true crime, and just plain weird, you're going to want to listen to our podcast. My friend Jessica and I talk about all things weird and creepy, from the Hatman to alien abductions to your creepy encounters. And that's where you, the listeners, come in. We're working on making more content for you for what your spooky little hearts desire, which means you guessed it, we need your stories. You can email them to ycmopod at gmail.com. You can also find a link in our Instagram, or you can leave a voice message. You can follow us on Instagram, threads, and Twitter at YCMOpod. Thank you for listening, and stay creepy, my friends. If there's one thing that you should know about me by now, it's that I'm deeply fascinated by the spiritualism movement. I mean, over the last year we've discussed a handful of different topics relating to spiritualism on this podcast. And I can honestly say that this is an era in history when I would have truly thrived. Now, I would be willing to bet that the same could also be said about many of you. After all, between the seances, the invention of various different spirit communication devices, and the boom of psychical research, the spiritualism movement truly paved the way for the modern-day ghost hunter Of course, we are all well aware that the spiritualism movement has given the field of paranormal research somewhat of a bad name. And really, how could it not, given how fraudulent many of the so-called psychic mediums of the era turned out to be? But even still, you have to admit that these topics go hand in hand. And for what it's worth, spiritualism may have made its modern-day counterpart that much more credible. With many of today's paranormal investigators attempting to debunk claims of paranormal activity instead of trying to create them. I guess what I'm trying to say is that while spiritualism might be dead, gone, and buried, as paranormal investigators and researchers, we still see remnants of the movement to this day. Only now these practices have evolved into something we never would have pictured. I'm Courtney Hayes, and you're listening to Haunts. Stay tuned. By all accounts, May and Lizzie Bangs were mediums from the day they were born, which, believe it or not, was pretty common for spiritualists of the era. These so-called psychic gifts would manifest during a medium's early childhood. Then from there, they would often be nurtured by an assortment of spirit guides and other mediums. And of course, May and Lizzie were no exception to that sort of origin story, The Bang sisters were born in the late 1850s and early 60s into what would have been a typical all-American family. Their father, Edward, was a tinsmith, while their mother, Miroy, was a homemaker. Alongside them, the girls grew up with two brothers, Edward and William, who themselves never developed any sort of mediumistic abilities, and so it was likely their mother who shared in their psychic gifts. In fact, more than a few of my sources claim that Roy Banks herself had been a trained psychic medium. And if that's true, well then she almost certainly would have played a role in her daughter's spiritual careers. Now, it's worth mentioning that Miroi's abilities were never legitimately verified. And at least from where I'm standing, it seems that the claims of her mediumship may have actually been made up after the fact. But regardless, May, Lizzie, and Meroy Bangs definitely had a flair for the theatrics, which, incidentally, made them some of the most influential and extraordinary women of the spiritualism movement. May and Lizzie Bangs were barely even teenagers when they first began performing seances. It was August of 1872. And even in spite of their incredibly young age, the Bang sisters had drawn quite the crowd. Curious spectators would come from far and wide, and they would pay good money too, Offered the chance to visit the Bang's family home, where these two young girls were showcasing abilities that were truly out of this world. For starters, the Bang sisters displayed a form of physical mediumship in which they could produce concrete materials seemingly out of thin air. For instance, on more than one occasion, the audience watched in awe as coal rained down from the ceiling. Beyond that, spectators could expect to see other inexplicable phenomena throughout these performances. One common report, for example, claimed that messages from the dead would appear on slate tablets in full view of the audience even though no one was close enough to pen those messages by hand another common claim is that the furniture would move about the bangs family residence at will meanwhile music would play throughout the home even when may and lizzie were restrained in a large wooden cabinet i know this activity per se sounds more like a poltergeist than it does mediumship But even still, the Bangs family remained adamant that May and Lizzie, with their keen ability to conjure spirits from the great beyond, had been solely responsible for these supernatural occurrences. And honestly guys, that isn't even the half of it. Perhaps the most dazzling part of the Bang sisters' career was their keen ability to commission paranormal portraits. Yes, you heard that right. Between the two of them, Lizzie and May Bangs could produce images of those dearly departed without so much as lifting a paintbrush. I should explain. In a typical sitting, the sisters would sit on either side of a table with a blank canvas propped up between them. This canvas would face the client who was sitting at the table between May and Lizzie From there, the curtains would be drawn, and the sisters would lightly grip either side of the canvas. Then, and only then, did something spectacular happen. There, in full view of the client, an image of their departed loved one would appear. It was as if the pigment had materialized on the canvas instead of being placed there by hand. Okay, before we go any further, I should probably mention that this form of mediumship is incredibly rare, but it isn't entirely unheard of. They call it precipitation, which, simply put, is a form of spirit communication that manifests or rather precipitates out of the ether and onto a surface, a blank canvas in this case. Now, when it comes to mediumship, most of us have a general understanding of the more automatic psychic abilities. You know, the sort where the medium themselves uses their body to channel messages from the great beyond. Whether that be through automatic writing, painting, or drawing, the medium typically perceives spirit communication, then channels that message by hand. But of course, that wasn't the case for the Bang sisters. On the contrary, May and Lizzie were able to bring these messages into our physical reality, simply by sheer will. There was nothing automatic about it, they didn't even have to lift a finger. I know, that's quite the gift, and an enviable one at that. Well, that is unless the Bang sisters were actually frauds. Back in 1905, an article entitled How Ghosts Paint Spirit Portraits was published in the Chicago Daily Tribune. And for obvious reasons, it was a headline that drew some attention which didn't exactly bode well for the Bang Sisters, because this article more or less outlined how they had been duping the public with their paranormal portraits. I know, I think it's safe to say that many of us probably saw this coming, because like I said, this is a rare gift, and the Bang Sisters certainly weren't the first spirit mediums to be accused as frauds. That said, after reading it through, I actually felt that it was the article that had been full of it, Which is saying something coming from your resident skeptic. You see, the article posed that this so-called trick was facilitated through the use of a false table. Allegedly, May and Lizzie were removing the blank canvas through the table after the curtains had been drawn, replacing it with one that showcased an image of the deceased. Now that alone, I could probably wrap my head around. After all, This was the age of Houdini, and who didn't love a good show in sleight of hand? But it's the next part that sort of lost me. According to the article, at least, the prepared painting, set to replace the blank canvas on the table, would actually be wrapped in several layers of tissue. The sisters could then slowly break away those layers throughout the course of the séance, as if their clients wouldn't have noticed a pile of paint-soaked tissues sitting in front of them. That's one theory, I guess. But here's the real kicker. A.T. Osborne, the Kansas City minister who came up with this idea, said that he did so in a dream. Which, at least from where I'm standing, is a bit hard to take seriously. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bang sisters in their paranormal portraits turned out to be fake. Especially considering that the Bangs woman were eventually involved in their fair share of scandals. But I'm sorry, accusations made based on nothing more than a dream don't exactly carry a lot of weight in my book." And apparently, May and Lizzie Bangs shared in that sentiment. In fact, they even went as far as to challenge the minister to a bet, wagering $1,000 that he couldn't recreate their abilities using a false table in a pack of tissues. It was a tempting offer, but in the end, Osborne declined, ultimately claiming that a minister would never bet with $1,000. Now, since I brought it up, I'd like to go ahead and end today's episode by discussing the aforementioned scandals that the woman had been a part of if even only to get a better understanding as to why this entire story should be taken with a grain of salt. For starters, in 1881, May and Meroi Bangs had actually been arrested for illegitimate business practices, specifically when it came to running a business without a license to do so. In other words, they were offering their services, collecting payments from grieving patrons, all without any sort of licensing or legal authority Now that alone might not be enough to call their integrity into question. After all, owning and operating your own business means jumping through a lot of different hoops. So I don't think it's unreasonable to believe that Meroy and the Bang Sisters may have missed one by mistake. But that doesn't change the fact that a very pointed bill was passed by the Illinois State Senate in 1891, the likes of which would prohibit anyone from personating spirits of the dead on penalty of fine, or even imprisonment. It was an act that would ultimately cost many Illinois-based mediums their livelihoods, and at least one of them painted the Bang Sisters as the villains, stating that while they had otherworldly powers, quote, their greed for gold had led them to abuse it. This episode of Haunts was written and produced by me, Courtney Hayes. If you've been enjoying the show so far, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a review. A lot of work goes into each episode, and supporting the show in this way really helps us reach more listeners each week. It's entirely free and takes about 30 seconds, and it would genuinely mean the world to me. Also, if you're interested in learning more about today's topic, I greatly encourage you to check out the show notes section on our website at hauntscast.com. This is the location where I share my sources and provide any visual aid that may be referenced during the show. Finally, I would love to connect with you online. You can find me on Instagram at HauntsCast, or you can join our email list for updates about the show. Thank you again for listening, and until next time, happy haunting.
1: as the moonlight pierces through the dark, paranormal enthusiast and best friends, Farrah and Courtney venture deep into the woods, armed with flashlights and a sense of adventure.
0: Farah, are you sure this is a good idea? Sure, I'm sure. We're paranormal investigators. We're not scared of any ghosts. What was that? Uh, probably some animals. Oh my God. My flashlight is going out.
1: Following the chilling sounds, the two stumble upon an abandoned and haunted building, its dark silhouette looming over them. Look, there it is, the abandoned radio station. It's supposed to be mad haunted.
0: Let's be careful. We don't know what's inside.
1: Wow, look at this place. A long growl is heard coming from behind the girls. They turn around slowly, and to their surprise, a zombie is standing in front of them dressed to the nines, wearing a 70s bell-bottom hot pink and purple leisure suit. Who are you pasty-looking females, and what the heck are you doing in here? Who are you calling pasty? Nice suit. Did you raid Barry Manilow's wardrobe, or did John Travolta have a yard sale?
0: Uh, sorry about that. We didn't mean any harm. We're just curious about this place.
1: Curious, huh? Well, come with me. I got something to show you. And as they wander deeper into the building, they uncover vintage studio equipment covered in dust and decay.
0: Farrah, you were looking for a new place to set up your podcast, right?
1: And this is it. Whoa, whoa there, sweet cheeks. No, 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 don't worry. We'll make it worth your while. We love the strange and unexplained phenomena, true crime, macabre, and the sinister. And hey, you'd be a great touch to the show. Maybe be an announcer for us as well. Hmm, that does sound stellar. I'm in. A few minutes later, 12 seconds later, three weeks later, many months later. Okay, we're rolling. Welcome to Studio Sinister Podcast. Where we explore stories
0: that haunt us all.
1: And then we'll go make a fresh kill to celebrate.
0: Dawn. Uh,
1: just kidding. Join Farah, Courtney, and Don the Zombie on the 1st, 10th, and 20th of every month for some rad, chilling stories. And if you piss your pants, that's your problem. Come embrace the haunt. See you soon, Sinister Seekers.